Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. Our last episode concluded as Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney, Mark Richards, was using his closing argument to remind the jury of each of the witness testimonies that they heard during the trial. On today's episode, we pick up Richard's closing as he continues that process. That's coming up after the break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As we concluded our last episode covering the closing by the defense, Rittenhouse attorney Mark Richards was summarizing the contributions of each of the witnesses in the trial and displaying slides of each individual on the court TV screens. Today, we continue that process. Again, the defense attorney's dual purpose here is to remind the jury of the testimony they've heard in the case and to suggest that many of these prosecution witnesses have either actually helped Rittenhouse's case or been motivated by bias and or potential personal benefit. The next witness up is Jason Lakowski. Jason Lakowski thought was an interesting witness. He was the Marine who put the phrase, shout, shove, show, shoot. And I asked him about that, and I don't for a minute disbelieve that that's the Marines' rule. Is there any retreat in there? He said, no. He looked at me like I was stupid. The reason he looked like that was because they don't retreat. Yet, Kyle Rittenhouse did retreat. He tried getting away from Mr. Rosenbaum. He described Joseph Rosenbaum as belligerent, with malintent, used the N-word, did the false step thing, did not see Kyle as aggressive. He was there for a shorter period of time than anyone else at CarSource. He also cleared Gage Grosskwist's gun after the shooting and made it safe, took the shell out of it. And I ask you to think back to the direct examination of Mr. Lakowski by the state. When they asked him, what did Kyle say to you? His first statement was, I just shot somebody, I need help. That's what he testified to. And then Mr. Binger shows him the statement and gets him to say, well, I told the FBI that. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what he told the FBI. The FBI doesn't let him see that statement, doesn't let him read the statement and say, You've read this to me. It's true in a correct copy. They write down what they think they heard. I ask you to think about what he said. If he didn't shoot somebody, why does he need help? That makes no sense. He said it. He testified to it. That's what happened. The state confronted him and pushes him back to his original statement so he doesn't get in trouble. 
he put the tourniquet on Gage Grosquitz. He testified that he had his AR-15 with him, providing medical services, first aid, just like Kyle Rittenhouse. And I find it so ironic that he was there. Gage Grosquitz had said to them, go home, we have our own medics, you stooges. And who ultimately helps him with his tourniquet? Sarah Hughes, her testimony, she reminded Mr. Huber and his girlfriend they needed to be home by curfew. Obviously, not advice that was followed. Wish it had been. Carrie Ann Swart, I talked about. She talked about Joseph Rosenbaum,ing Joseph Rosenbaum, being bipolar, being prescribed gabapentin. He had to leave her house that night after walking four miles, taking about an hour, and then walking another four miles back to downtown where the riots were going on, where he could involve himself fully. Her story contradicts Nathan DeBruyne. I just got out when he said, I just got out of jail and I'm not afraid to go back. He'd been off his meds for the week prior. The videos of Joseph Rosenbaum show the state that he was in. No proof that he ever took his meds. Richards then moves on to the members of the family that owned the car source related businesses at the center of this trial. Saul, Saul Kindiri, he was the first of the Kindiri brothers to testify, car source. He's in the picture with all the people who protected his property. He's there, and he said he just liked the military garb. Why did he get a picture then with just one of them? How did he wrangle all these people up? Everybody in that picture said that they wanted him there. They gave him permission. But as I said earlier, they want these two guys to dirty Kyle up. He's just picking a spot to pick trouble and to be there and cause problems. He was asked to provide security. He did. They deny that they were going to pay any money, yet Nick Smith says they were. And going to pay money to Nick Smith. And ladies and gentlemen, do you get the feeling that they're a little afraid of being sued, as everybody else in this case is? I think so. And when they were up there, I don't remember them saying, oh, you can protect car source two or car doctor, but don't go to car three. They had somebody arranged to protect car three, car source three, and the word came in that they had left. Dominic, Balch, Joanne Fielder, all of them say they had permission. Why would they lie about that? How does that protect them? They're not charged with anything. Who's the people who are lying here? Sal and Sam. Next, police officer Widener, he was the ET. He went and recovered some of the two, two, three rounds from car source. I believe he found three of them. The other two were found three days later. He photographed the mask. He didn't find the bag. And we do not concede that there was nothing in that bag, not for a minute. They have the burden of proof. 
they have the burden to pres preserve a crime scene appropriately, get the evidence, and show it to you. Ryan Balch said he smelled ammonia and bleach. They didn't find the fire extinguisher. We know that the fire extinguisher was there. It's in the videos. But that doesn't fit in the state's narrative of Kyle actually going there to put out a fire, which had been started earlier in the Duramax. Officer Moretti, he was the driver of the squad car that Kyle tried to surrender himself to. He said it was a war zone. It was a war zone those three nights. He described it as the city on fire. The police felt as though they were completely surrounded, described the constant gunfire that evening. Mr. Binger wants to slough it off as fireworks this. It really wasn't that bad that night. Ladies and gentlemen, it was hell in this area downtown. There were violent people causing trouble. And the state wants us to believe it was okay. The police pushed them back. Now they could leave. Car source was safe. And I can't remember specifically what witness it was, but it stuck out in my mind. Witness said the police pushed him back, let him back, pushed him back, let him back. And a lot of the burning happened late at night, that witness said. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Richards arrives at complaining witness Gage Grosskreutz and reprises his familiar reference to Grosskreutz's lawsuit against the city of Kenosha. Gage Grosskreutz, 10 million reasons to change his statement. His attorney is sitting in the courtroom, has been sitting in the courtroom when he testified. If he's just your average complaining witness, why get a lawyer? What do you got to hide? He didn't have a valid concealed carry permit. He wasn't charged. He lies to the police about being armed that night. He said he dropped his gun going down the street. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what's called obstructing. Most people, when you lie to the cops, especially in a murder investigation, you get in a little bit of trouble. I've represented some of those people. Not Mr. Grosquitz, because he's their star witness, bought, paid for, and protected. You don't want us to search your phone? Oh, we're going to invoke the never-heard-before-Marcy's-Law exception to the search warrant, even though they had a signed search warrant by a judge of Kenosha County. He was also an armed medic. Wants you to believe that he didn't have one in the chamber, and he would never shoot somebody. But before he said that, he said, key, wallet, phone, gun. Never leaves the home without him. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't carry a concealed weapon. And I don't think I could shoot somebody. But when people carry guns, that's what they're for in the city. This isn't the wild, wild west. He had his gun. Kyle Rittenhouse had run by him. You'll see the picture. It was by him, gone. 
Did he go to give medical help? He didn't know that Mr. Rosenbaum was being tended to. No, he decided to run in and advance on the fray. He, the member, not member, excuse me, affiliated with the American People's Revolution here in Wisconsin. And I might have that one word wrong, but he did it. And who ultimately put the tourniquet and fixed it on his arm? But Mr. Lakowski, a member of somebody he refers to as the militia and the stooges. Richards continues his deconstruction of Grosskreutz's testimony and his actions in the run-up to the defendant shooting him. Two different encounters between Gage Grosskreutz and my client. The first one, he does not show or give any indication of a weapon. My client does not point a weapon at him, does not shoot at him, does not swipe the weapon towards him. He states he's going to the police. That is uncontradicted. Why doesn't Mr. Grosskowitz let him be and go give aid and comfort to his fellow rioter? But instead, he joins the mob, chasing Kyle, arms himself, and runs in the fifth or sixth person into the melee in scene two. And when his friend was called, his friend said in his Facebook post, his only regret was not emptying the clip in to the kid. So we know what his intent was. We know what he wanted to do. Kyle shot first as he was coming in. And he's Mr. Binger talks about, oh, he was going to grab the gun. Ladies and gentlemen, left hand, phone. How's he going to grab a gun with a hand filled with a phone? Right hand, gun. He goes back, loads up, and is advancing. That's when Kyle shoots him. He didn't shoot him when he put his hands up. And if that was it, no intent to harm him, all he does, like everybody else, is back up. And nobody else gets shot. But Mr. Grosswitz decides he's going to shoot my client. Unfortunately, my client shot him first. If he had retreated, it's over. And when he's got his hand up like this, as I said earlier, the hands are up. It's not gripping the gun. It's loose. But when he goes in like this, the pistol grip is tight. After briefly summarizing the testimonies of firearms expert Heather Williams and Kenosha PD officer Jason Krieger, Richards moves on to Kristen Harris. Kristen Harris, Rundown Live, stated the video. We showed the video to start this, clearly depicting Mr. Rosenbaum standing there at Car Source 2 shortly after the dumpster standing there with his chain, the shirt tied up over his head. But Mr. Binger says it's impossible for him to have threatened my client. That's garbage, just like his case. And Mr. Binger makes so much out of him one time saying, stay on your property. My client has as much right to go anywhere in downtown Kenosha as anyone else, just as the rioters did and as he walks out to see if anybody wants medical help, 
he's not doing anything wrong. He's not doing anything to provoke anybody. Richards again calls attention to the discrepancy in the testimonies between the co-lead detectives on the case. Detective Antaramian, the juxtaposition of him and Howard, as I said, he is the one who talks about what he sees in the video, totally different. As you see, why did Mr. Rosenbaum go behind that car, two cars over from the Zeminskis? What was he doing over there? Why was he doing over there? And why does he come out as soon as Kyle comes down the road? Because they were going to ambush him. They had set it up, and I'll show you the video. Richards next takes aim at the testimony of the state's video expert, and particularly his analysis and enhancements of the late-discovered drone video of the shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum. James Armstrong. The only thing I can say about James Armstrong is, okay, that's interesting, but what I'd like to say about his photographs, his knowledge of what he did, and some of the statements that the state has made regarding it is, what he did for those 20 hours is hocus pocus, and he makes an exhibit that is out of focus. And that's what the state is relying. The, the picture does not make sense. As I showed earlier, it has Kyle shouldering the gun in the left shoulder. If he has it in the left shoulder, his back would be to the drone. The drone is moving around and that changes the focal point. He's right-handed, that's where it goes. You'd see the crosses across his chest. But no, they need him to have somehow pointed a gun at the Zeminskis. I don't for a minute concede he did, but we know that Mr. Zeminski has been armed all evening. How would pointing a gun at Mr. Zeminski provoke Joseph Rosenbaum, who, according to the state, earlier in the case, they didn't even know each other? But I think they had to run away from that because there's so many pictures of them together. Mr. Armstrong's photograph, testimony, it took three days and 20 hours worth of work to come up with that picture. It went from color to black and white, and he admitted he never compared it to the original photograph. Still shot. Didn't take into consideration the fact that the drone was moving. The word peer-reviewed stated said. Peer-reviewed is an independent verification of the events, the exhibit. So there was no testimony to this because it didn't happen that Mr. Armstrong's coworker did 20 hours on the same photograph and came up with the same result. It didn't happen. When you see, and I'll show it to you later, when you see in the video the mirror and the shininess of the mirror, that's what that is. And by going around, spending 20 hours and bringing things up, it doesn't account for Kyle's arm. It doesn't account for the heat signature of the gun. None of it. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. 
Join us in our next installment as Richards continues his closing argument with a critique of the medical examiner's testimony about the shooting of Rosenbaum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.